I am Emily Lyons. In 2011, without a high school degree and with no money to my name, I decided to start my own business. Since then, I've built several multi-million dollar companies and I don't plan on stopping. Being a businesswoman, CEO, serial entrepreneur, survivor, and general life enthusiast, I'm endlessly jazzed by the business of life, especially the stories of extraordinary people I've had the privilege to meet along my own improbable journey to success. I don't think it's fair to keep that privilege to myself, and I think you deserve to be utterly lifted and shifted by these people too. All inspiring people are inspired people, so get ready to be inspired. So today I'm actually chatting with someone from our team at Lions Elite, Michelle Apples, who is one of our matchmakers. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. I wanted to have you on for so, so long. So do you want to just tell everyone about yourself and what you do? Yeah, my name is Michelle Apples. I am a professional matchmaker at Lions Elite. So I help people find love, which is the most rewarding job I think I've ever had. <laughs> So it's interesting and I love people. So that's something that's really drawn me to this profession is I get to really work closely with people and get to know them on such a deeper level, which is Mm -hmm. great. I mean, you and I have known each other for several years through the modeling and the events industry. What attracted you to want to move into this, into the dating? Yeah. So I worked for a singles club actually when I lived in Vancouver and I got to see people get married from that and just like really have solid relationships and meet people. Mm-hmm. And I am such a people person. So sitting at a desk nine to five that I can't interact mm-hmm. with many people or it's just one person, that's not my personality. So for me, it's just so rewarding getting to just know people and getting to talk with people. And also, I just think that the most crucial decision in your life is who you're going to spend it with. So the fact that I get to be involved in that is so incredible. It's amazing. We get to actually change people's lives. So good. So I know there are a lot of people who still don't understand what matchmaking is. How would you describe it? Yeah, I would describe it as someone who is really intentionally seeking out someone for you, but who also isn't just seeking out a person that online dating, it's so easy to just swipe on profiles Mm -hmm. and not really get to understand who this other person is on the other side of a screen. So my job is really getting to know people and being able to see the compatibility before introducing. Mm-hmm. So it's just taking all that, like that work that doesn't mean anything out of it. Mm-hmm. I often say to people, we're basically a headhunter for the heart. I love that. <laughs> it's such a unique industry. So I know obviously it's 2020 and we are all met with challenges in all areas of life and dating is no different. We've been hit. So there's already been so many changes in recent years that we've seen with social media and the rise of internet dating. And what are you seeing as some of the biggest problems right now? Yeah, I mean, 2020 is a hard year. And I think everyone in some capacity is affected by it, whether it's you've lost your job, or you've been isolated and don't get to see people. I think there's goods and bads about it. Whereas Mm. I think when you lose something, you realize how much you need it. Whereas Mm -hmm. we've all lost connection, being isolated, not being able to see people, except the people in your direct home. Whereas a lot of single people, we live on our own. 
So we're mm-hmm. not having that connection. So I think when we, you take away connection, you crave it so much more. So I think a people are really more intentional about, yes, this is something I want mm-hmm. and taking it a lot more serious than outside of this 2020 quarantine where you see a million people a day and it doesn't really matter. So there's, Mm -hmm. there's goods in that sense of it, but there's also quarantine dating. Like how do you date during quarantine? You're not able to actually romance someone and take them out and do things with them. So you have to be creative, which is, I don't know if people really know how to be creative anymore because life is so easy. You just pick a restaurant. There's a million in Toronto and there's your date. So it becomes so lazy. Yeah. And so it's being more intentional about it. So I think there is struggles with quarantine and dating during it and virtual dating, which Mm -hmm. is just crazy in itself. But there's also a lot of good, I think, that's come out of it. Do you think that you can find someone attractive through a video date? I do think so. But I also think it's just challenging and Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that you see someone on a screen and kind of get to know their personality. It's it's like a new level, right? Where it's like you text and then you talk on the phone and then you virtual date and then you actually see each other in person. So it's almost like that show Love is Blind where it has different Mm -hmm. levels to it, right? So I think there is good things about it. Mm -hmm. But I also think that because we live in such an instant gratification culture, nobody wants to take those steps. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's very hard to gauge for me an attraction without meeting somebody in person to see somebody. And yes, you can get to know them and get to know the compatibility through that way. But it also too, yeah, it it does build something up. It does build up the excitement and it leaves a bit more to the imagination. And you kind of have to go backwards a bit of you really do have to court them. Yeah. And which I love. I love that idea of courtship and actually taking the time to get to know someone instead Mm of everyone moves so quick. And it's like, oh, well, I met you once and wasn't that interested. And and so I just like moved on because in a world of internet dating, I mean, you can find a hundred new people by logging onto an app or thousands of people, depending where you're at. So I think that being more intentional is the key to really just like being successful with this dating in a virtual world. And it's so easy to just flip through so many people, especially when you don't have to see these people in person. Everybody can just text someone and say, blow them off or ghost them. You've lost that in-person thing of breaking up with someone or, you know, saying it's not working. Yeah. A lot of people definitely just think that they can ignore it and it'll go away, (laughs) which usually it does, but I don't think that's the right approach to it. No. And it's funny because, yeah, I've heard that many times where people, people ghost somebody and then they come back around to realize that that person actually was pretty great. And then they try to want to come back into the picture. They've screwed up because we all live in that mentality. So what are, what are some of your best dating tips? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just being intentional. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's so rare that you find someone just really intentional about like, learning things about you and being able to really make a date about you. Whereas like, for example, I went out with this guy recently and instead of bringing me flowers on the date, he brought me boxing gloves. 
which I thought was hilarious. But I had mentioned because right now I'm I'm on the other side of the country visiting my parents, and I'd mentioned, oh, I don't have my boxing gloves, so I can't do boxing in boxing. Oh, that's cute. And like he was so intentional to not even not only just remember that information, but actually act on it which was so unexpected. Of course, it wasn't something I was like, oh, this guy needs to bring me something on a date. But the fact he did, it stuck out in my head of like, mm-hmm. wow, that's so intentional with making it about me. And so it's like, my mindset is, how do I serve this other person? Mm-hmm. And both as a female and a male, you can do this. It's like, how do I serve this person? If someone's really passionate about it, how can I talk about that to know more about their passions? And it's just being in that servant mindset of like, I know people don't like that term, but I think it's just having less of it about me and more about the other person. Mm -hmm. And when you have two people coming together with that same mentality, it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. And what do you think is the most attractive thing about a man? I think the most attractive thing is when he's curious. And he's just so like, interesting. yeah, because it it shows that he cares and he's taking that initiative to like, really want to get to know who I am. Hmm. And I was actually talking to a client about this yesterday and I had set her up with someone and, and he was asking me a lot of questions about her on the phone before I introduced them. Mm -hmm. And I had told her, I said like, Oh, he was asking a lot of questions. She's like, Oh, I really like that. (laughs) Like a guy that asks questions, it shows that he's very interested, that he cares enough to like ask the questions. Mm -hmm. And so you know it's going to be good straight off the bat because he actually is taking the time to like learn the things. Mm -hmm. I think for me, nothing is more attractive than confidence. And I, I I always tell my clients that it's just, it's something that stands out. You can be, not the best looking person come in there with great confidence and you are so attractive. I completely agree with that, but I also want to specify that there's a difference between cocky and (laughs) big time (laughs) because I've definitely had guys that are just way over cocky. And then I'm just like humble confidence is Mm -hmm. so attractive. Like knowing your worth in a kind way. Absolutely. Not coming off. Yeah, I know what you mean. I I have met a lot of those cocky. (laughs) And they're very, very difficult. Very. So, I mean, I want to talk about some of the common misconceptions that I've heard over the years, and I'm sure you hear them all the time. A common one being that people think that they need a partner for their life to be complete or them as a human to be complete. Mm, which yeah. they come to us and they like, oh, everything in my life is great, but I can't be happy until I find somebody. And of course it is a big part of your life and it is your happiness. But if you're not complete on your own, you're never going to be complete with somebody else. I completely agree with that. I also like to tell people because there's so many, I always heard, oh, I want to find my other half. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, why wouldn't you want to be complete? And find another complete person because two completes are better than two halves. Yeah. Why is your value tied up in someone else? Yeah. So I think it's important to like know that there's purpose in your life without a man attached at your hip or a woman and to just like strive after that and to be doing things that bring you joy and give you happiness. And I think 
especially in today's day and age where we're so busy and we have so much going on. A lot of people don't know what truly makes them happy or truly produces joy in their life. Mm -hmm. I like you need to spend time and figure it out, figure it out what you love to do, not what you love to do when you're with someone else, but what you love to do on your own. Because Mm -hmm. like, once you become complete in what makes you happy, it's only going to make that relationship so much stronger when you do find it. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing when people come to us with this list of what they think is going to make them happy in another person. And it's just this specific checklist, which I don't agree with a lot of the time. I think that you need to focus on so many other things outside of just this checklist of things that might have been a relationship you had in the past that didn't work out. We tend to constantly want to go after the same thing. And I find that so many people, so many clients that have been successful have been ones that have thought outside of the box and just been open to meeting somebody that they wouldn't have thought that they wanted. I, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. It's funny. I actually listened to a podcast called rip up your list. Okay. (laughs) And it was so powerful because it's like what you think you want isn't what you actually need. Mm -hmm. And I think that's there's so much power in that. Whereas, yes, I understand having certain specifics of like, I don't want someone who is lazy all day and not striving towards something or ambition. Like that's one thing, right? But when it's like they can't be five, seven, they need to be five, six and under or something is one inch under the requirement or whatever, that stuff, I just, I find that you miss so many great opportunities when you just think that inside this small box of this is what I want. Mm -hmm. Your focus should be, do I like this person? Am I attracted to them? Are they a good person? You know, and getting to know them and the rest, leave that out. It's funny because I had this client years ago and I really wanted him to meet this girl. And he was like, no, there was a bunch of things that he didn't like. He didn't like her profession. She was too short, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I really think you're going to hit it off. And he said, no, no, no. So anyways, they ended up both coming to our Christmas party. He totally forgot about her. They met at the Christmas party and they hit it off and they're still together. <laughs> this was like 2016 or 17. But it's like, it was only a fluke that they met. And I, I'm like, I told you so. <laughs> and it's hard to when we're not... I think when we're meeting somebody in person, you know, how we used to meet people when we were out and about or through a friend, we were more open to these things. But when we're doing it through a dating app or through a matchmaker, then we've got these boxes in front of us that we're more likely to tick off or emphasize on as opposed to when you meet somebody and you have that instant attraction and that chemistry and, and the rest of those things just kind of fly out the window. I totally agree. I actually had two clients in the past couple of weeks that both were like, when I sent over the profile, they said, I don't know. I don't know. I said, well, if there's anything that is saying like, I'm curious, I'd say, just go for it and see how you feel. And both of them came back to me and was like, wow, we was so much more attractive than I thought he would be. Mm-hmm. And I was way more attracted to him. And I say, it's because you're looking at a, a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. You cannot be attracted to a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Like 
sure you can have attraction to a photo, but at the end of the day, it's, are you attracted to that person? I've also went out with people who I thought were everything. I, back when I was in high school, I was like so obsessed with this one guy for probably a good three years. And then I had left my hometown and came back and I went on a date with him and he was such a dud. And I <laughs> had a conversation with him to save my life. And I was like, I spent three years thinking this guy was everything mm. for my mind to be literally changed within 30 minutes of hanging out with him. Mm. And since then I realized like not to like take that stuff so much to heart of like, oh, he's so attractive. So uh, sometimes it just doesn't matter because when you meet in person, you're either going to connect or you're not. Mm-hmm. We all put the emphasis on those photos so much when people don't look like their photos. <laughs> they really don't. There's so many filters these days. There's so many apps that you can change. You could change everything. And it's almost like if you don't edit your photos, people expect you to edit your photos because so many people do. So it's like if you don't, then it's like, wow, you know. So true. You almost have to just to keep up with everybody else. Exactly. And that's how it feels. Which is unfortunate because I think there's something so beautiful about real and genuine and someone in person and like someone in their natural element. Mm-hmm. I miss those days of just meeting someone in person, not knowing anything about them. Me too. <laughs> it was just it was so awesome. or like them having to call your house and be like, "Hey, like do you want to <laughs> date?" Like, and you didn't know if it was them or not. Yeah, because you didn't have caller ID. Like, <laughs> like your parents are like, the phone's for you. Oh my gosh. Like, Who is it? It's some boy on the phone. Like, I always said I would love to live in the 50s when oh like God. guys really had like court and give you their jacket if you're going steady. And like, I just think there's something so romantic about that. I remember, yeah, being a, I think it was like 13 or something. My boyfriend would be like, okay, I'll call you at 8 p.m. Make sure you answer. So like our parents don't answer so we can talk late at night. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. I remember too, when he asked me out, he gave me a flower at school and he had wrote on the note on a piece of paper and he had wrapped it around the stem of the flower. So he handed it to me and then walked away. And then there was a piece of paper there. So beautiful. I unraveled it. Yeah. These days. There's so many cute things like that. It's funny because we both actually, you and I both have a lot of male clients. Mm-hmm. And I constantly, I'm sure you two get asked, how do I win over a gorgeous woman or a successful woman or someone who they've put on a pedestal? Mm-hmm. What do you usually recommend to them? Yeah, I think it goes back to what you said about being confident. Yeah. I think that's a big one. Is oh, yeah. It's like I've went out with guys that are so nervous. It's challenging because you can't have a real conversation because they're nervous. You can't get to know them in such a unique, deeper way, like, because they're just, they're so nervous. So I'd take them off their pedestal, number one, because at the end of the day, if 2020 hasn't taught us anything, (laughs) is that we are all the same. Like we are all dealing with the same stuff right now, no matter where you are, what position you are in, we are all dealing with the same thing. We're all having to wear masks. We're all having to isolate, doesn't matter who you are, we're in the same boat. So I think, yeah, confidence is definitely number one. And just being yourself, because when you try to be someone you're not, it never ends well. Mm -hmm. I had a client who was super, super, super nervous on dates. And so he would never get a second date. And so I told him, you know, like treat it like a dress rehearsal. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. Focus on you getting to know them. Don't 
put so much pressure on you improving this person who you feel that you have to prove. And, and so what we ended up doing, because he was really struggling, is I ended up setting him up on a bunch of rehearsal dates. So different people from the office went out for dinner with him. And yeah, and it was really great. And I had him go with some models from the agency, just, you know, as friends, just to practice common things that worried him, just little things that he was so worried about just to see that it was no big deal. And even, you know what, one client told me that he did to help. He said he used to be really fearful. So he would go to strip clubs because the women have to talk to you. So they come up to the table <laughs> to chat you up because he would get so nervous chatting to you know, beautiful women or women that he found attractive. So he kept doing that. And that was all he did. He just went there and chatted to them. And it apparently it really helped. But yeah, I think putting yourself out there and, and building that confidence is really, really going to show. But once you're not nervous and you have the confidence, then you can focus on the things that are important. Like if there is a genuine connection. I um, 100% agree. So biggest dating faux pas. So yeah, one thing that I constantly deal with is clients oversharing too soon. Oh. <laughs> it happens all the time, you know, and they get on, say, for an initial date or for an initial phone call right now, since we we're not doing the, the, the in-person and mm-hmm. uh, tell their whole life story. They feel like they have to get everything out, everything on the table, like drama with their ex-wife and custody battle and this, and, you know, I have this problem and that problem and just oversharing, I think is mm-hmm. so big. And, and we feel the need to divulge every dirty secret. And I think we need to leave things to the imagination. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I think there's something to be said about a little mystery, mm-hmm. you know, especially on a first date, they don't need to know your whole life story and you shouldn't share that. You don't trust them enough to like, exactly indulge that information that is personal like and I get it I'm an open book too so if someone asks me a question I'm I can be an overshare so I get that Mm -hmm. but I also know that some people don't deserve to know your life story exactly they haven't earned it yet exactly I mean I say to them treat it like you would a new friend or a new colleague in that sense just lay out your life story and so don't feel the need to do that with a potential partner. Absolutely. Get to know them. Build up that trust. Like you said, there is something so sexy about mystery and just getting to know someone on a deeper level that only comes with time. Mm -hmm. And it's, that is a big way to scare someone off. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, especially because you don't know anything about this other person. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know the walls that they may have built up or the experiences that they may have been through that like, Maybe that what you're talking about is now something that's really bringing something up in them and Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable. Like you don't know these things yet. So you need to ease into them because you don't know where the other person's at. It's a first date or a first conversation and it really should be on the surface. It Mm -hmm. shouldn't go much deeper than that. Absolutely. Let the first part be easy, getting to know each other. Absolutely. And you need to build a foundation, which Mm -hmm. only comes from time. I mean, there are certain things, of course, that you should tell someone that might be considered big things, but you you know what those are. I once had a guy not tell me he had a kid for four months into dating. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a child is something that's fairly big and needs to be disclosed up front. (laughs) Absolutely. That's a deal breaker. If somebody's not cool with kids, well... Well, you have kids and you can't help that and that's okay. 
but then it, maybe it's not the right match, right? Absolutely. So you want somebody like that. that loves children. Yeah. Or at least can accept it. <laughs> Respects that you, you've had a previous life and like you have a child. And, but I think those kind of things for sure, absolutely share. But as much as like dra- any drama, anything that's like personal information that you haven't even told your best friend, leave it at home. <laughs> I had a client who was notorious for oversharing. He's doing better now after some coaching, but he kept not getting a second date because it was scaring people or they would say that it was not attractive. And they would say, look, I don't feel the initial attraction. Mm-hmm. And what do you say to people that aren't initially attracted to somebody? Like, I mean, do you tell them to give it another chance? I think it depends on why they're not initially attracted. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if it is something like, oh, they have kids I didn't realize and like it's just not for me, like then that kind of stuff, okay, maybe it's not a right match. Mm-hmm. But if it's just a matter of like, for example, I had a client recently and he's a profile and he was like, Oh, everything is perfect. He's like, but I just don't know if I feel that initial attraction. I'm like, yeah, but it's a photo. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, maybe you're like, it's a piece of paper. Like some people are just aren't attracted until they meet someone in real life. Well, it's and even, have you ever dated a guy where you've known him for years or, you know, like maybe you went to school with him or maybe you worked with him and then all of a sudden you start to see him in a different way. And then all of a sudden he's the most attractive person in the world. Absolutely. I mean, it's like that. Like sometimes you have to get to know somebody or it just be open to it to see that attraction. And you're not going to, if you're so close-minded. I a hundred percent agree. I'd say 90% of the relationships I was in, I was not attracted to the guy when I first met him. Oh, same. And then because of their personality and who they were and how they treated me and how well we connected, I became so attracted to them. Isn't it and funny how like, different we are from men on, on our attraction? Like ours is so much more like you were saying about personality yeah. based. There has to be more than just surface. Mm-hmm. I went out with this guy years ago, I think maybe five years ago. He was a male model and very attractive. And within, you know, five minutes of the date, I was like, yeah, nope. <laughs> There's no attraction here. Just because he didn't have the personality. Yeah, it's so true. And and I think we connect to people differently, right? So mm-hmm. Like just because you're attracted to someone's photo or even what they look like, once you have a conversation or you get to know them, you might be like, hey, cool, we can be friends, but like, I'm not attracted to you in a romantic way and vice versa. Yes. So moving on, I have some questions that came in from social media. So Mm -hmm. I pulled seeing if some of the questions that people might have for us today. So... One of the ones is, what should you disclose to somebody at first, which we kind of touched on, which Mm -hmm. would be anything of great relevance that's, you know, without over over disclosing, but things like if you have a child, if you're divorced, things like that, that are without getting into any details or, you know, you don't have to get into the history of your daughter or the drama within your past relationship, things like that. Yeah. Certain things that could become essentially deal breakers for someone. I Mm -hmm. think that's important to put that on the table, such as like you said, kids or being divorced, or maybe if you don't want kids and you're dating someone who you know does, maybe that's a discussion that needs to be had sooner than later. So you're not wasting each other's time. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, this one is a big one. Uh, the, the old question, how soon should you have sex? Hmm, that's an interesting <laughs> question. No, I think that you should wait. I always think that there's no rush. I agree 100%. And I think if Love is Blind has taught us anything, <laughs> it's that once you build a foundation, the relationship is stronger. It's so mm-hmm. much better. If you just give away everything all at once, what do they have mm-hmm. to work towards? Exactly. Build it up. Build up the passion and the attraction. Absolutely. And when you, when, I mean, I don't know any great relationships that have come out of people hooking up at the first time they first date. Yeah, I don't either. I just think the longer you wait, the better. You know, I, I, I don't put any number on it like, oh, date four, you got to have sex. Don't feel any pressure to have it at any time until it feels right. Absolutely. And I think there's something to be said too about ensuring that you are comfortable. And you mm-hmm. have like talked about that comfort. If you're just having sex because you feel you have to, that is the wrong way to look at it. Or, mm-hmm. you, like, or you feel like he might, like if you're a woman, you feel like, oh, well, if I don't give him this, then he's not going to stick around. If that's the reason, then you need to hold off. And if he's not willing to wait, then he is not the match for you. Then he's a jerk, and yeah. Both ways. I've definitely had guys tell me the same thing about women. I don't think it's just the one standard of like, Mm -hmm. oh, guys aren't willing to wait. But in people in general, I said, I think that we do live in such a sex crazed culture that it's so easy to feel like there's that pressure that you have to. Mm -hmm. And I think it's beautiful when you do wait and you're comfortable with someone and, and you're just at a different level in a relationship than just hey, I barely know this person. I'm giving them all of me. Yes. Yeah. You don't even know them. Exactly. You can't really know somebody until... (laughs) Until you know them. (laughs) Yeah. That kind of leads into one of the other questions we got was, how do you think the popularity of porn, cam models, OnlyFans, et cetera, has affected sex and dating? So what's OnlyFans? I actually don't know. I think it's, I think it's a, like a subscription-based thing where you can subscribe to the online model, I guess, and see like naked photos of her. I'm, I um, think think something along those lines. Maybe I'm wrong, so don't quote me on it. But yeah, I I've never heard of it before. But I actually dated a guy for a little while who he was addicted to porn, and okay. he or he had been previously, like years before that. And he actually, he did so much research on how porn affects people's sex lives. And there's so much research about it out there. And like now he advocates for like, hey, porn is ruining people's relationships and (laughs) their sex lives. And just hearing it from a male's perspective who had once been addicted to porn and now is not and like advocates for like people not watching porn and knows the research behind it all. It's really powerful to see like how porn really does affect relationships. And it's true because I think it just puts this fantasy on something that is supposed to be such an intimate, beautiful thing. Yes. It's not realistic. Yeah. It's sad that we live in like this sex crazed world that the beauty has been taken away from sex. Mm -hmm. That intimate, passionate moment between two people has been now just like, kind of like dwindled down into something that really doesn't mean anything. Something interesting I learned about a year ago or so is that porn addiction kind of goes hand in hand with 
other addictions. So like alcohol, if you tend to overdrink or use drugs, it kind of goes hand in hand with porn addiction, which I was like, oh, uh, and apparently it's I'm very like, common. An addiction is an addiction, right? Mm-hmm. If you actually look at what addictions do to people, I mean, the results are usually the same, no matter what you're addicted to. Hmm. I don't know if it so much has changed the dating world, just more so maybe sex and expectations for sex and, and expectations for women and men, pressures on both parties of how they should perform, what they should look like, how it mm-hmm. should be, as opposed to, yeah, us. Yeah, I don't think though it's necessarily really changed things on the dating side. No, I think people are still dating, but yeah, this, I think it definitely has kind of ruined what sex was, you know, originally made for. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So another one was from a woman. She said, I turned 40 and I'm not married and I have no kids and having a freak out. Why can't I find someone and why am I still single? Uh, so um, I'm still single at 40 I mean but at the same time it's like age is just a number and I think think a lot of pressure on themselves I would not at all be freaking out because things are changing and I know that we're seeing more and more and more people not in relationships until much older or not in relationships at all I mean, obviously, I think the majority of the population wants to be in a relationship at one point, but I wouldn't put a pressure on getting to it by a certain age or having to check off the box of marriage specifically and kids specifically. I would focus on, yeah, finding a great partner that you're happy with and not focusing on those societal pressures. I totally agree. And then I would ask myself, what's my why behind this? Mm -hmm. Like, why do I feel that I need a partner and children? Is it because this is something that I truly want? Or is this something that I'm feeling pressure? Because I don't know how many times I've been asked, oh, you're not married, you're not in a relationship, especially I come from a small town. So typically, people get married a lot younger here. And so when I do come back to my hometown, it's like, it's weird, because all my friends have been married and have three, four kids. And I'm like single at 31. And like, that's weird for them. But that's not because I think it's weird. It's because that's the pressure that society puts on us is if you're not married or have kids by a certain age, it's weird. Mm -hmm. And so I'd ask you why, like, is this something I really want? Why am I feeling this way? And if it is because you really want a partner, then I think A, just focusing on yourself. We talked about previously and like what brings you joy and what you're happy doing and then go do those things because when you're busy, just like living life for yourself, someone will come around. And putting yourself out there. Absolutely. Being out there, being open in life and being open to meeting somebody and not being desperate. (laughs) Absolutely. There's something so, just being content where you're at, but also Mm -hmm. not afraid to like, go to events, do different hobbies that even maybe you wouldn't normally do because you might meet someone there and like, you don't always have to have the same hobbies. Go try something new. You haven't ever went salsa dancing, go try salsa dancing. You never know. You might meet a new crowd of people that you've never met before. Yeah. Great. (laughs) I love salsa dancing. I know. It's so fun. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, yeah, when you start to get into that mentality and then you really start to get desperate, and it shows. And absolutely, people can feel that nothing is a bigger turnoff than somebody that's 
that's desperate to lock somebody down and you're not focusing on an actual the relationship, just finding somebody to fill that void. Yeah. And that's never good. It's like, again, going back to what I said at the beginning of this call, it's like, I think the biggest decision you can make is who you spend your life with because mm-hmm. that person is either going to propel you forwards or they're going to tear you down. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to find someone just to fit in a box. You want to find someone who does like make your life better. Yes. hundred percent. Okay. So second last question, are men scared of successful women? I'd say the right men are not, but there is definitely some men that are. And I think it comes down to an insecurity thing. Mm -hmm. I think a weaker man would be, yeah, scared of a successful woman, but that's not the type of person or type of man that you want to be with. You want to be somebody that, you know, like celebrates your success and celebrates you growing and achieving things, not a hundred percent. Someone who will push you forwards to like do more and be better than the day before and not just tear you down because he's insecure about mm-hmm. your successes. I think that's a common misconception that women can't be successful because it intimidates men or then you're finding the wrong men. Yeah. Because if you're confident and I mean if if you don't like that as a man, then you gotta check yourself. You know, take a long, hard look in the mirror and why don't you like that? Absolutely. If you don't, that means you don't like something about yourself and what you're doing, where you're going and you need to do better and you need to step up. That's got nothing to do with the girl. So true. If you're meeting a guy, yeah, that doesn't like who you are, meet a new guy. Yeah, there's plenty out there. Okay. So the last question we got was who should pay for the date? Which is funny because, yeah, I mean, it's funny because we women, we want to be equals and in 2020 and if then there's certain things that come back to the old-fashioned thing and i'm old-fashioned in the sense that i like a lot of the old school dating things you know a man holding the door open pulling out the chair paying for dinner walking on the outside of the sidewalk like those type of core things they stand out Mm -hmm. and like i don't think people realize how much they stand out but girls notice they notice when you court them. They notice when you're a gentleman. Like, And it's such simple things like holding a door open, but it means the world to a woman. Oh, yeah. I love those things. I love yeah. those things. Like waiting until you get inside when they drop you off at the night. Yeah. I always notice that. I'm like, yes. oh, you didn't wait outside. Yes. You know, just thoughtful, cute things like that. I think it just shows care. It shows that you're taking the time to like, care about that person. Yes. And you know, even if it's a first date, like maybe you don't care so much about that person yet because you don't know them enough to, but you still care about people. Mm -hmm. And I think that Mm -hmm. shows like such a good characteristic to have is just that you care about people. Another thing I noticed too, with those little things is how they treat the servers or You know, that's like, a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, my biggest pet peeve: if someone is rude to a server, I oh, will not be with them too. again. Me too. How you treat people shows your character a hundred percent, especially ones that can do nothing for you. Mm-hmm. I agree. So yeah, I'm always the type of person that I prefer when a man pays on the first date. I mean, I'll always offer. Yes. Because I'm never going to expect it, Mm -hmm. but I think it shows so much about their character when a man is like, nope, I want to take care of you tonight. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with a woman 
paying for it if that's what she decides to do. But I'm on the the old fashioned side of things in that area. But yeah, I do think, yeah, for sure, you should at least offer. And maybe down the road when you've gone on a few dates, you can take some of the bells. But absolutely, especially the first one. Yeah, first one that that to me would be a deal breaker. <laughs> oh, yeah. on the first date. It's funny though, because I've had, yeah, I've had clients, males complain that the woman never offered. They're like, oh, she didn't offer the bell. But that is probably a big complaint I get often too, is not so much that the men had to pay, but that women don't offer to pay. Yes. They expect it. And I think when you go into a date with expectations, it's bound to not go well. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, let's go in there as equals. And I'm going to offer, but I hope that the man will be a man and a gentleman and old fashioned and say, no, no, my treat. Sometimes it can be a bit of an awkward situation, you know, so it's good if the man just kind of grabs it and it's like, no, I got it. Because it always is awkward Mm -hmm. when the bill comes. I feel awkward every time I'm on a date and the bill comes. (laughs) When a man is like right away without making it this lingering thing. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to take care of it. Grab it and take it. And then, yeah. And then when they're like, oh, do you want to split it or something like that? And they're like, don't be silly. I got this. Best thing you can do as a man. Oh, yeah. Not leave that lingering of who's paying. I don't know. (laughs) uh, And it's awkward. It's attractive. The taking charge, the whole. When a man takes charge, it's so good. It kind of brings us back to that all hunter-gatherer mentality, you know, that we go back to our instincts of mm-hmm. just showing that the man can take care. You know, obviously, we can take care of ourselves as women, but... Like, I love when a man knows that I can take care of myself, but wants to take care of me. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Like, I am a self-sufficient woman in every way, but it's nice to also to be taken care of and to have that protector. Absolutely. Especially us, we're such petite women. <laughs> yes. Like when a man is just, oh, it's like the best feeling in the world when you're like, oh, this guy can take care of me. That's so sweet. Yeah. Oh, I love a guy that's like a big, strong guy and just wraps his arms around you. And you just feel so tiny and you're like, yeah. oh, I'm good. <laughs> you can protect me from the world. <laughs> uh, okay. So now we should do a few of these, eh? I would love that. <laughs> People keep sending in your questions and we'll keep doing them. So where can people find more information about you if they want to follow you? Absolutely. So I have two Instagrams. My personal Instagram is Michelle Apples, super easy. And then my dating one. So you'll find all the tips. We'll do bachelor, bachelorette features of the week, some funny dating stories, or maybe some great dating stories. Follow my Instagram at michelle.apples. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thanks so much for having me. It's always (laughs) great to talk to you and get to talk all things dating. I just, I love dating. I think it's (laughs) so just this incredible thing. I mean, yes, there's times I get sick of dating, but I love to meet people. I love to like get to know people. And so dating is so just like fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Same here. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Michelle. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. 